Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I don't have any comments today, but I am ever hopeful that now that we're going to be ending this Marlowe series that I get some comments in. And all of you have been out there listening, and I know I've heard great comments from people personally. So I know you've enjoyed it, but we would enjoy hearing from you. Now, in our last podcast, I finished discussing up through chapter 43. And I want you to realize, as you read these final chapters, there's only two left. As you read the final chapters, Marlowe tells us about Jim's final act as a romantic hero, based on what he learned from Tam I. Tam. And if you want to verify that, that's page 308. And the reason I bring that up is is Marlowe is not getting this from anybody else but ITAM. And so, so uh, uh, in other words, when you get to chapters 44 and 45, you're not reading from a letter. You're reading from what he heard from ITAM. And so it's, it's in the letter, but he's, he's got his source from that. So today, I want to finish this Marlowe series with chapters 44 and 45, and I'm going to give you just the highlights, and there's about three for each chapter, and uh, you'll see how this works out as we go. Now, as we move through these final chapters, be sure that you still read the chapters on your own. They are really great chapters. They're a lot easier to read, I think, and um, you just don't want to miss miss everything and remember this is a love story <laughs> i want to just bring that out all right with me in the studio today is my wife deborah welcome back thank you it's good to be here again gabe is also with me in the studio today and since he is overseeing the taping he will not be speaking and uh, i'm sure he would have a lot to say as well but we'll get gabe back before this is all over i mean not in this series there's much more to come in the next uh, year or two all right so let's just start looking at chapter 44. One thing, I guess, uh, before we begin, Deborah, I would like to just make a quick comment about chapter uh, 43 again. And uh, I think that the, the big thing that you need to remember from the last podcast is that um, in chapter 43, we also learn about Cornelius's hate for Jim. And, uh, you know... Um, he he really wants him killed, and he works with Brown to do that. Now it's it is really interesting how he goes about this, and I think the other thing that's that's really apparent from chapter forty three that you want to remember is Jim is really naive about Brown. He believes Brown is going to leave peacefully, and he's really naive about Cornelius because he uses Cornelius to take this letter of agreement to Brown that is he's going to be clear to pass down the river. And uh, that's not at all <laughs> what Cornelius is. Uh, he should not trust the man. And um, remember now, essentially, he tells Brown that there's a backwater path near to Dane Morris's camp, and it actually totally makes the, ca- the, the camp absolutely vulnerable to Brown's love of violence and his lust for um, 
you know, the opportunity to bring things about. And so, so that's just something you need to remember from 43 that, uh, you know, Jim, I mean, Brown really lusts after the opportunity to, to instill terror and violence in people. Now, the, the other thing is, is uh, when we get into chapter 44, we're, we're learning that I, uh, Tam Itam makes his way to Dane uh, Warris's camp. And of course, he assumes this air of importance, but he gives uh, Dane the news that Jim and the Council of Leaders have agreed with Brown and his men can pass down the river. Now, Tam calls this good news, but, but I think as, as I read chapter 44, I think it shows that Dane is somewhat confused about it because he, he takes the ring and he kind of twists it a little bit. He kind of fumbles it with it in his hand. He doesn't really, uh, you know, um, he, as the Marlowe says, he toys with it. He toys with the ring in disbelief, I think. It's like, what? You're going to let this guy get, get past? Anyway, but then what happens is uh, Dane does send out a message to his men that they can return to Pattis on that afternoon. So essentially what happens is they lower their guard. And of course that, that just opens up for you know everything bad to happen. And so uh, do you have any comments, dear, that you'd like to make on the very opening of chapter 44 now? Well, it is interesting that, that Dane Warris, you know, is surprised and thinks about it because uh, he he probably maybe he maybe he had more of a, a suspicion of Cornelius and Brown, you know, where whereas Jim was just really naive about it. Right. So it may maybe that you know Dane Warris had a little more of a you know understanding of you know reading people. Well, remember remember also <laughs> that, that Marlowe tells us earlier in the book. Excuse me. That that um, Dane Dane Morris knew how to fight like a European. Yes, right. And so, mm-hmm. so maybe a really good European would say, "I don't trust that," you know. And so, so, but but certainly, I think uh, you know. Remember, Jewel and Dane Morris have been on this island together, and I'm sure Dane saw a lot of problems with Cornelius. You know that how he treated, uh, you know, his wife, and then how he treated uh, his stepdaughter. And so, uh, but anyway, everybody's hoping for, you know, a great, uh, you know, sigh of relief. Everybody's, you know, ready to party that that they don't have to worry about these these, uh, evil white men anymore. But uh, as we learn, Cornelius leads Brown's men right to the back of the war's camp and uh, where he he actually not only takes them back there, but then he shows them the place where there is the sparsest undergrowth. So they have no, um, they don't have any obstacles to, to overcome. They can get, they can do their dirty work really quickly and actually escape at the same time. So uh, uh, unfortunately, what we understand then is, is uh, you know, Brown and his men, they get, they get out of the boat, they get on the back of the island, and then as, the, as Marlowe says, Brown unleashes cold-blooded ferocity on the camp. And so it's, uh, I remember when I first read this, I was, I was kind of surprised, you know, I, I was wondering how this was all going to turn out. And uh, what's, the, what's the worst thing that happens? Worst thing that happens is, is Dane Morris is killed. Immediately. Immediately, yes. <laughs> yeah. So he hears the shots. I mean, that he, he was told to relax. He went back to his, you know, his uh, 
made up bed for the camp and all of a sudden he hears all these shots coming out and uh you know uh he, he runs out to see what's happening he gets shot in the forehead like immediately and so he's just absolutely i guess the way they described his death he was absolutely dumbfounded that it happened you know it just he couldn't believe it and and, and everyone was so surprised they didn't know what happened and they they and you know it says later that they were so confused that they they didn't know the white men you know who who it was and what was going to happen next right right because mm-hmm. they all believed jim mm-hmm. they believed that this was this was going to be okay and so uh um I, I guess what what tam does tell marlo he says the attack was so surprising it was like the people were in shock for hours you know they just didn't they didn't know what was happening and so uh you know, I guess you can see that, you know, sometimes when there's, you know, there's disasters like that, that people just are in shock because they just don't expect it. But uh, I guess the one good thing at the end of Chapter 44, and it's not like I, I like these things, but Tam, Tam, I, Tam, I think is the one that really knows what Cornelius is like. And essentially at the end of the chapter, he uh, he makes sure that he's executed. And so, you know, Brown um, Brown gets away. Cornelius is stuck. Tam, Tam chases him down. And, uh, you know, when I first read it, I thought he threw a spear at him. Mm-hmm. But that's not what happened. He tracked him down. And he's laying on, you know, I guess on the shore. And uh, then he just executes him with a spear. So, so in some ways, uh, these aren't very long chapters, but... Um, you can see Jim's naivete in all of this, that he just did not believe in the corruptness of Cornelius, and he certainly didn't believe in the corruptness of Brown. So, so uh, any other comments? Well, in, in Brown, um, it, says, it says somewhere that he, he it, was, it was kind of like a retribution or a demonstration um, of, you know, of basically he feels like society had had you know done wrong to him and so he just had to he wanted to sh- to show somebody and so he was showing them and also he was really wanting to get back at Jim too right so right. so he knew this would get back at him so yeah. I think the one thing that 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 Conrad is doing here is remember in previous chapters he says that you know these are two men from the same background they're both white European and but also you know, Conrad brings out through Marlowe that they both were rejected by society. And the, the thing is, that the reason why I think he, he plays Jim so hard is he thought Jim was on the take in Pattison. Then he finds out that Jim is building a peaceful civilization, which is what the, what the British Empire wanted to do. And that's the, that's the society that rejected Brown. And, and so essentially what he's doing is he's taking, he's unleashing his vengeance on British society again because he was rejected by British society. And yet, if you look at Jim, he walks around, he's dressed like a perfect member of the British Empire. He's all dressed in white. You know, he has a white hat. You know, he's dressed, he dresses to the hilt. And uh, he wanted to, well, get his revenge on on that society. That's what I think is really what really happened there. And so, uh, you know, in some ways, um, you know, 
in some ways, Jim is in all of his glory. And as we learn through chapter, as we get through the end of the book, he died gloriously. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the way it looks about that look like. Right. And, one, one more thing about about Brown, you know, is is this, if you look at it from the just surface, it's like he didn't even he did he could have just totally annihilated everybody, but he he didn't absolutely annihilate everybody. It was it was bad, but he also didn't take anything from them. I mean, he didn't no. he he could have like you know, a lot of times when you have they fight like that they'll go in and and strip people of of their uh, of different things whatever they have is valuable armament or whatever and he didn't do any of that they just they just they just killed it killed people and then left and ran away and they didn't know where they went they just vanished yeah but then the whites just vanished and and they don't know where they went but then earlier Mm -hmm. in the book i mean uh i forget exactly where it is is he did get his due if you remember they got caught in the storm Mm -hmm. and his ship sunk and oh then, yes, and then they all got skinny, kind of skinny, and they were you know, like starving almost, you know. And so, so of course, you know, Marlo talks to him, you know, as he's dying, right? But but he did, <laughs> he didn't get much out of it, no, you know. And <laughs> right. even Jim promised to bring him food, <laughs> you know, but but uh, he he ended up, uh, well, I guess maybe. Uh, the, the environment took hold, and uh, <laughs> he, he got his due paid to him. All right. So uh, chapter 45, um, for all of you out there listening, um, I have my thoughts about this chapter, and, and uh, one thing I want to say is Jim does not run away. I mean, he did make some promises that if anyone got hurt, you know, he would he would give his life. And so... Uh, again, when I first read through it, I didn't really understand what even was going on because uh, you know Conrad is a challenge to read anyway. But I also uh, he doesn't run away, but he also fulfills his dream as a romantic hero. And so, so uh, you know, this this is all comes out that that uh, you know uh, the the Jim. It's kind of like he lived in his literature. <laughs> you know, it's like a fantasy, and. Uh, you know, a lot of people in this world would like to make it better, but it's just, it's not going to happen in this world. You know, we're, we're going to need uh, Christ to return before everything gets back to where it really God intended it to be, you know, 6,000 years ago with Adam and Eve. So, uh, so anyway, Tam does hurry back to Patterson. He wants to inform Jim, you know, what's happened uh, at the Dane Juarez camp. And uh, notice uh, on page 311, for anybody out there that's reading this, this is where we are on in the chapter. Tam Itam encounters Jewel first, and on hearing the tragic news, what does she do with Tam? She says, she says right away, close the gates. Shut the gates. <laughs> she, knows, she knows what this means. She's pretty sharp. Oh, yes. I mean, yes. She, she's she, not a dumb island girl. No, no. It's, she knows what this means mm-hmm. for Jim. And, and when mm-hmm. she says shut the gates... She doesn't care about herself. She's not caring about Item or Tam Item. I always get the I always switch the two. <laughs> you, know, you know, she's uh, she's uh, she wants to protect Jim because she knows he is in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And and obviously she knows about the fact that he said, "Hey, you know, I'll give my life if anyone's killed." And of course, uh, it, it's great writing. Who who on earth would be the last person you'd want killed at that camp? 
would well, be Dane well, Morris. Yeah, the, the son of, <laughs> the son. of, of Dorman, right. Yeah, yes. and so, so obviously he's like the first one killed, mm-hmm. which is, and uh, like you said, there were three volleys, and not everyone was massacred, but enough, was, uh, enough of them were massacred to, uh, to get Jim in big trouble. All right. So, uh, again, Jewel just, she knows that the massacre uh, at Dane's camp put Jim's life in jeopardy. And uh, notice that Jewel also requests Tam to go inform Jim of the disaster. So she wasn't going to disturb him, but she wanted Tam to go. And so uh, essentially when Tam gets to his section of the campong, you know, I, I, uh, it's, to me it's still a little sketchy in my mind how this all thing worked, where the, you know, where the, the shut the gates and all that. Was it a big camp? You know, anyway, but uh, uh, what I think is interesting, when Tam goes to find Jim, uh, at his camp home, he's in a deep sleep. <laughs> he's sleeping through it, yes. <laughs> yeah, and and you, you would think, to me, uh, uh, this is this is my opinion. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I just think he was really so self assured that everything was going to work out. He believed Brown, and he believed Cornelius was on his side. I mean, if, if he if he had any sense of doubt, I think he'd be awake. Right. Yes. Yes. That's true. But that he's guy, not. He fell. He was. He was so relaxed. He, he was but asleep. But he was. He was mm-hmm. sound asleep. Yes. And so, I mean, uh, here's um, Dam has to rap on the door. He's beating on the door. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. And uh, he said, "Look, it's I, Tam, with tidings that cannot wait." And uh, he he's kind of poetic though too. It's <laughs> like I can see where it really irritated you. <laughs> Get to, the, get to the point, yes. And he right. says, this, is, this to one is a day of evil and a cursed day. So it's, it's really, it's really uh, quite poetic. And uh, then Jim, you know, it, it, it's, it, Marlo said it's just like the way Dane was. You know, Dane was in sleeping as well, if you remember. That's true. He got up, mm-hmm. and then he goes back. And it says there that, that uh, this is on page 311, by the way, for all of you out there listening is that Jim raises uh, himself up in the bed to listen. And then Tam starts telling him the news by going back to the beginning of the day when he got there, the beginning of the day. And, and uh, you know, they, they had, he had really, I guess, driven himself down the river with paddling, and he was all exhausted when he got there. And he tells Dane Morris what's going on. And Dane, War- Dane Morris tells him, he yells out to someone, would you feed this man? He's hungry. He's been out all night. Or whatever, and and Jim says, "Stop!" <laughs> you know he's really he's really poetic and all that. And uh, Jim stops Tam with one question, and I think it's an interesting question. He d- he just uh, I don't think if 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 you remember reading this, I, if I remember reading it, he doesn't mention Dane Warris right away. No. But but the thing that Jim wants to know is Dane Warris dead. And so, so, why would he suspect that? You know? Well, because what else could be that important? You know, I mean that that would that was really crucial. Yes, because you know he he had he had said that it was beyond his own head, and and, and that was so. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, who who else would be more important than, than Dane? Than, yes. Yeah, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you read if you read on that page, um, you know, some of what what he says. Um, uh, you know, after, after uh, Jim tells him to keep going, Tam began his tale, trying to tell, trying to relate the story in order, calling Dane Wars, 
uh, Panglima and saying that Panglima then called out to the chief of his own boatman, give Tam something to eat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then Jim says, speak out, said Jim, is he dead? And then notice, notice Itam says to him again, or Tam Itam, I keep getting those two mixed up, the two words. May you live long, cried Tam Itam. <laughs> you know, so so in other words, he still doesn't even tell him he's dead yet. He's just saying, "Well, may you live long." You know, mm-hmm. so so in other words, maybe that's his poetic way of saying. I, th- I think that was a poetic way of talking to you know people. May you live long, sir. You know, yeah, and, I don't have to and, say this. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. but it was mm-hmm. the most cruel treachery. He ran out, and the first shot, with the shirts. He ran out when he heard the first shots, and then he fell, and so. Uh, Obviously, this affects Jim, and it, it says there that he he walked to the window and struck the the shutters with his fist, and it, that all of a sudden that let light into the room, so the room is dark, and so that's that's another one of Conrad's. He's playing with the scene like it was dark in the room, and now he he gets the news, he hits the shutter, all of a sudden the room is filled with light, or you know, uh, I think he's really there. It's a symbol that. The light finally came on for Jim, <laughs> what he was dealing with. All right. So what do you think? Yes, it's, it's true that he does. We know them, that Conrad does a lot with light and darkness all the time. All so, the time. Yes. All the time. Mm-hmm. So you can you can mm-hmm. be guaranteed if, if uh, Conrad's writing a novel, light and darkness are going to come in somewhere. So, so anyway, it just says, uh, the room was made light, and then a steady voice, but speaking fast, he began to give orders to assemble a fleet of boats for immediate pursuit to go to this man. To the other, send messengers, and he talked. Uh, he sat down on the bed, stooping to his lace boots hurriedly, and suddenly look up, why do you stand here? And he asked, very red-faced, waste no time. Tam, I, Tam, did not move. Forgive me, Tuan, but... He began to stammer. Uh, what? cried his master aloud, looking terribly, leaning forward with his hands gripping the edge of the edge of the bed. He said, It's not safe for your servant to go out among the people, said Tam. And so so he said, I'm not leaving the enclosure because mm-hmm. my life is now in danger. And why? Why was his life in danger? Because because Jim was yeah. in danger, yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. his, he's a servant of Jim. Mm-hmm. And so so here's here's lines, everybody out there, that you mm-hmm. really need to... Mm-hmm. This is this is really great Conrad. And uh, this is right in the middle of page 312. It says, Then Jim understood. He had retreated from one world for a small matter of an impulsive jump, and now the other, the work of his own hands, had fallen in ruins upon his head. So that's classic. That's classic. That, that's that's the point where he realizes this is yeah. what's happened. He's yes, done. He's done. Yeah. Yes. And, and so, uh, you know, it's 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 really kind of sad because Jim, I I believe Jim really had the right view, and it's a view what we're losing in America as well. Jim wanted to create a peaceful society, and uh, you know we now have a government that's not that does not want to create a peaceful society. And yet they want the power of government. And so, uh, you know, Jim, uh, again, the, the big thing is, what's he going to do? You know, is, is he going to run? You know, is he going to jump? And, uh, you know, the point is, uh, even with all the realization, uh, Jim realizes his peaceful world is gone. You know, uh, 
Pedasan is not a place for him anymore. And uh, it's it's interesting if you just go over to page, uh, keep going over the page. Uh, I think Jewel steps in at this point, and she says, um, "Yes, I think it is on page three twelve. She 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 says, are you going to fight, Jim? Are you going to fight for yourself? You know, what, what are you going to do?" And Jim doesn't look like he wants to fight. And uh, you know, on it's also on this page. Um, um, well, I think I think it may be it's over on page three thirteen. It's it said in the middle of the page it says she cried fight into his ear. Uh, she could not understand there was nothing to fight for. He was going to prove his power in another way and conquer that fatal destiny itself. And so so again that's that's Conrad. He's he's big into destiny. And so so in other words. Uh, if you didn't get the idea, Jim is not going to fight, and Jim is going to let let things happen. And essentially, what Jim is going to do, he's going to keep his word. And his word was, "If anyone's hurt, I'll give my life." And so, so uh, there's there's a lot to read on those two pages, three twelve, three thirteen, with between Jewel and um, and uh, Jim is. Uh, you know, it really did. As you read through it, you see it really affected Marlowe, and uh, you know because, well, as he says a little bit later, he gave up a woman to fight for like an ideal, and and he wanted to be the romantic hero, and so when he says he wants to get his power another way, um, you know, uh, he was going to go another way, and he didn't really care that much about Jewel, but remember what Marlowe said, this is a love story. <laughs> remember, mm-hmm. this is a love story. And uh, remember, I think I said it last time, is that that uh, Jim was a mystery to her. And, uh, you know, it, it, is, uh, it, it is a mystery. Why would you, here you have a beautiful woman who loves you, and yet he wanted to fight for his ideals. So uh, so anyway, anything? yes, because they, they wanted to fight or they wanted to escape. They said we could we could escape, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, well, we knew they do. I mean, eventually, Tam, right? Yes. Yeah, Tam, I, Tam, and Jewel do escape, mm-hmm. and they escape to Stein's house. So, mm-hmm. so uh, a- anyway, um, Jewel wants Jim to defend himself, and yet he's just not going to do it, and then. Of course, uh, you can read through these pages, and and uh, you know, page three three fifteen is really quite sad. They, she's really working hard on him. Uh, if you go down to the middle of that page, it says Tam Item said that while they were talking, she would laugh loud and senselessly, like one under the visitation of God. His master put his hands to his head. He was fully dressed as for every day without a hat. She stopped laughing suddenly. He said, for the last time, she cried menacingly, will you defend yourself? He says, nothing can touch me. He said, in a flicker of superb egoism. So so he's he's thinking he's he's going to survive this somehow. And, uh, you know, he, he said, Tam Item saw her lean forward where she stood, open her arms and run at him swiftly. She flung herself upon his breast and clasped him around the neck. Ah, but I should hold thee thus, she cried. You are mine. And she sobbed on his shoulder. The sky of her Patterson was blood red and men streaming like an open vein. 
An enormous sun nestled crimson among the treetops, and the forest below had a black and forbidding face. So again, that's just total classic oh, Conrad. Yes. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So Jim is going to bleed. Yes. I mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. what, what he's mm-hmm. telling us there. And so, uh, um, you know, uh, Marla goes on to say, Tam Itam tells me that on the evening the aspect of the heavens was angry and frightful. I may well believe it, for I know that on that very day a cyclone passed within 60 miles of the coast. There was hardly more than a languid stir and, and air in the place. And, of course, that's I think, is what takes Brown out, is that, that cyclone storm. All right. So, um, let's see. Jim, uh, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of tension on the island, and, and Jim just says that... Um, you know he's going. He knows how to satisfy it, and uh, you know, uh, page three sixteen. You know, Jewel just really uh, lets Jim have it. And at the bottom of the second paragraph, there she says, "You are false." She screamed out after Jim. "Forgive me!" He cried. "Never, never!" She called back. And so Jim was going down to see Doraman, and uh, you know. I think Jill at this Jewel at this time finally realizes, you know, he's gonna he's gonna give his life, and so uh, anyway, there's there's a lot in here about uh, when they bring the body of of um, Dane Dane Oris in, and uh, you know his father sees it, and uh, just just the, 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 there's just so much moaning, and um, you know, and so. <clears throat> Uh, again, it would be horrible to lose your son, and essentially, you know, he was hoping that he would be the head of the island. All right, um, we're we're getting close to the end here, so let's let's finish this. So uh, essentially, Jim goes in before Boraman, uh, uh, Doraman, and um, you know, Jim uh, uh, sees the ring. Uh, the ring falls at his feet, and then uh, you know. Um, Essentially, page 318, it says, Doraman had raised his hand, rushed tumultuously forward at, after the shot. They say that the white man sent right and left at all those faces a proud and unflinching glance. Then with his hand over his lips, he fell forward dead. Yeah, so, so, so Doraman shoots him. Right in the chest. Right in the chest, and, and, and um, Jim has a proud look you know, yep. as, he, as he dies. He's you know, a hero. He's a hero. He's, he's a romantic hero. Yes. All right, we're a little bit late, but I'm going to read this anyway. This is uh, the most probably important paragraph in the whole book. And this is uh, what Marla writes, and that's the end. He passes away under a cloud, inscrutable at heart, forgotten, unforgiven, and excessively romantic. <laughs> and so so that's the end. Uh, it said, for it may very well be that in the short moment of his last proud, unflinching glance, he had beheld the face of that opportunity which like an eastern bride had come veiled to his side and so so if you read through the end of that chapter he says yeah he went after the eastern bride instead of the real woman (laughs) (laughs) and so so anyway well that's all the time we have for today's program that is the end of our Marlowe uh series now on our next program along with a special guest i will begin a four podcast look at herman melville's classic american novel moby dick you can buy Moby Dick at Amazon.com. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com. 
you may also be able to find a copy in your local bookstore and of course you can also check your local library so please 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 write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org you can also follow jbl on twitter at jbliterature1 and again i will be announcing the name of the new series very soon now you can also follow jbl on facebook simply search for just the best literature so until next time keep reading You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.